0: I'm starting to sound like a broken record in the introduction to a lot of my recent podcasts, but the facts are the facts. So if you're interested in increasing your cash flow and getting a more predictable stream of cash flow, you're going to love this upcoming episode. Let's go. Welcome
1: to the Russell Westcott podcast. Helping real estate investors like you acquire the inspiration, knowledge, and skills that you need to start, grow, and scale the real estate investing portfolio of your dreams.
0: Hey gang, how's it going? Russell Westcott, welcome back here. going to get my headphones turned up. Oh, a little too hot in the headphones there. Yeah, i got to monitor the audio, make sure it's sounding, uh, sounding crisp and, uh, you know, just really just on point here. So I, was, I take a lot of pride and attention to the, uh, to the quality of the podcast. And you know what? I, I hope it comes across to you about the amount of work and time and effort that goes into recording one of these. You know, honest to goodness, I could just sit here and pull out my phone and record something there and there'd be a whole bunch of re- reverb and echo and a whole bunch of, uh, you know, flat sound and audio. But I, I want to take the time and attention because most importantly, I respect your time. I respect your attention. And uh, my audio person told me once something as, you know, listener fatigue is a huge thing. So if somebody's going to be listening to somebody for, you know, better part of an hour to hour and a half, or, you know, I <laughs> feel like Joe Rogan, it's like three hours and 40 some minutes. Um, there is a listener fatigue, you know, your ears can only handle so much. So make sure that you have good quality audio, warm sounding, crisp, good uh, harmonics on both the low and the high, make sure the clarity comes out and cuts through, make sure there's no reverb, all that kind of stuff. So it it all makes a difference. So guys, episode 125, I have a very fun guest that I'm about to introduce here very shortly. And he's one of my coaching clients. And, uh, you know, here's the thing. Um, this young man is just taking the bull by the horns and he's just crushing it. He's going national wide on on some of his initiatives and projects and uh, this was an opportunity for us to catch up. We hadn't honestly we hadn't talked for a few months and uh and, uh, you know, I was just blown away by what he's done and what the actions he's taken and what the work that we did. We set the foundation for the better part of almost two years. And then he's just taken this up to a completely new echelon. So I'm just so proud of the work that he's doing and, and just such an amazing, wonderful um, young man, resource, amazing father. Everything he's puts his mind to, everything he touches is uh, is just you know, turn into gold in many respects. But don't get me wrong. There is a lot of, there are always a lot of hiccups, a lot of challenges, a lot of trials and tribulations, hardships and some lonely nights and some, you know, those things of pulling your hair out. Well, what the heck am I doing in this whole game of real estate? Okay, so today we're going to dive headfirst into the wonderful world of rent-to-own, rent-to-own investing. Now, for some of you, you might be sitting there, you may have heard this concept before, and maybe you've even dabbled in it, or maybe you've even contemplated maybe doing a a rent-to-own transaction, I'm going to introduce you to somebody who does this full-time who is a full-time expert in the rent to own this is the, the one thing he picked up on so actually he does two things he does rent owns and he also does conversions of multifamily properties now um because now he's in the business full-time he probably can focus on those two but you know uh, that was one of the hard things when we were working together was just getting him to focus um honest to goodness the giddy up as you will listen in this episode, the giddy up is there. As a matter of fact, I had to uh, many times go, Whoa, down pony here. Let's, let's time out. You know, I think there's an old analogy of the young bull and the old bull at the top, on the top of a hill, looking down over a field of, you know, I'm not going to get into that analogy. But if you know the analogy, you know where i'm I was going with that. But that was one of the things I had to make sure I did with Zach was to really help him on just making sure that he didn't uh, combust on all his action. like he's he truly is shoot first, ask questions later. and uh, just massive implementation, massive action. So we're going to talk a lot about rent to own investing. And we're going to talk about both the good. The bad and the ugly. Um, as you know, a lot of my style is I don't like to sugarcoat it and tell you only the wonderful, good things that happen. I we quickly identify some of the downsides and some of the the, the big challenges within rent-to-own investing, because there are some big ones. And the main one is there, you need a level of time and expertise. And the big one is you really have to go through an awful lot of people. Like I think we did the analogy is through 100 leads of people that are interested in rent-to-own, you might get one or two. So do you have the processes, the systems, the time, and the patience to wade through a 100-plus applicants or 100 plus people interested to only get one or two. Um, that's one of the things we dive headfirst into this one as well. Now, cash flow on rent own investing is really good. It's significant. However, there are some downsides on the back end and the exit, which Zach and I talk about. And uh, we talk a lot about um, the process. Um, We really went deep into this. We, We started at the beginning and Zach walked me through the process from A to Z, soup to nuts, you know, whatever analogy you want to do. We went in great detail. Now, here's the thing. With a detailed, deep strategy like rent to own investing, as much and as much detail as we went into, there is so much more that we could cover. And Zach and I made a commitment to to dive into some more training for you if it's of interest. So if you are interested in maybe learning a little bit more about rent to own investments, maybe you're interested in jumping into one of these rent-to-own opportunities uh, and and have somebody else do all the work for you, um, by all means, l- let me know. There'll be a link in the show notes below to um, to hit me up and send me an email. And if you are interested, I'll have a quick conversation with you. Then I'll connect you on with the appropriate people where you're at in the process, if it's a fit for you. Okay, gang, um, before we do jump in. To this in-depth conversation, like I mentioned earlier, Zach is one of my coaching clients, and I'm just so proud of all the work and time and energy and how he's just taken things 10x. Really, he's taken things, he's taken the work that we did and 10x'd it. Now, if you're interested in getting a coach yourself, now this isn't for the faint of heart, and this is only for people that are really serious about this game of real estate. So if you are serious about your financial future, and if you're serious about taking this game from a hobby into a profession, if you're serious about getting into the big leagues within real estate investor, I'd highly encourage you to check out and invest into a coach. Now, I 100% am a coach and I'm probably, you know, I'm going to toot my own horn here. I'm a very good coach. As a matter of fact, I'm a fantastic coach. And that comes from my clients. That comes from people that have uh, the results that people get. And and you know what? We're getting the results on a day-to-day basis. Now, I'm going to share a quick analogy with you about the power or maybe m- more so my coaching style. Okay, and it's going to come from, you know, the the context of a story. So here's the story. Let's say you're sitting there and you're struggling and you're floundering, you have goals. You have dreams, you have aspirations, and you're maybe just feeling a little bit stuck, and you don't know how to get there, and and you you've fallen down the proverbial well. You're at the bottom of the well. You're all by yourself, and you're just stuck. I'm stuck at the bottom of the well. I don't know what to do. How do I get out from the bottom of this well? You know, and then all of a sudden, people come by that offer you help, right? Maybe the first person that comes by might be a parent. Maybe mom is looking over the top. You're at the bottom of the well. Mom's going, oh, you're stuck at the bottom of the well here let me send you down a hug and you're at the bottom of the well going well th- gee thanks mom always love a hug but hug ain't gonna get me out of this bottom of this well okay then maybe the next person that comes by is a teacher maybe somebody who has taught you or you or you read a book an author and uh they come by and this this teacher comes by and they say oh well i see you're at the bottom of the well here let me throw you down a book to read and you're sitting there going well gee thanks um Appreciate the book. This ain't helping me get out from the bottom of the well. I'm stuck. A book ain't going to get me out unless I got a hundred of these things. I can stack them up and then I can climb out. Then maybe the next person that comes by is a doctor, and that doctor comes by, oh, here, let me write you a prescription for something, and they throw it down to the bottom of the well. And you are going, geez, thanks, doc. Uh, you know, I, I don't need a prescription. I need to get out from the bottom of the well. I'm just stuck. Or maybe the final person that comes by is maybe your spiritual advisor, maybe someone from your church or a pastor or a clergy member, and they're saying, yes, I see you're at the bottom of the well. Oh, dear. Let me send you a prayer. We will pray for you to get out from the bottom of this well. And you're going, you're still stuck at the bottom of the well. And you're going, well, that prayer, thank you. Appreciate it. But that ain't helping me. I need to get out from the bottom of the well. So all of a sudden now, coach comes along. Your coach comes along and the coach looks down there. Oh dear, you got yourself into a pickle. You're at the bottom of the well. All of a sudden the coach, and this is my style, I will jump in the well with you. I will jump to the bottom of the well where you're stuck and I will meet you at your level. I will go right down to the bottom of the well with you. And on the surface, you may be saying, well, geez, uh, that's kind of terrible. No, we're both stuck here at the bottom of the well. But here's what I would share with you as your coach is now that I'm at the bottom of the well with you as I put your arm around you and I'd say, look, I've been here before. I know what you're up against. And more importantly, I know how to get out. Let's do the work. So that's the kind of coach that I am. So if you're feeling stuck, you're maybe feeling a little trapped. You're maybe feeling that you have this desire and passion that you want more, that you want to create more, but you just don't know what to do. You don't know the next steps and you need somebody alongside you who's been where you're at, who will jump down to the bottom of the well with you and show you the path to get out. Okay, gang. So if you are interested in booking a consultation to see if coaching is right for you, this is an investment. This isn't something that's free. This isn't something you will get on a podcast or a YouTube channel. This is something that it's a one on one in depth relationship that you have with another person at the bottom of the well with you that has been there before you and is going to show you how to get out how to get unstuck, how to help you accomplish your goal. So if you're interested in some coaching, by all means, hit me up. There will be a link in the show notes below um, and uh, hit that up and we'll have a consultation and see if it's right for you. Okay gang, with all that being said, um, let's just dive right into today's episode. Today's episode is all about rent-to-home investing, getting a more predictable stream of cash flow for your real estate investing business. With all that being said, let's just get after it. Hey Zach Cahill, how you doing my friend? Welcome to the show here today.
1: We're good to be here, Russ. Good to be here.
0: Hey, Zach. Um, most important question right out of the bat. Um, how you doing? And more importantly, how are the how are the two little ones doing?
1: I, honestly, Russ, I don't think I've been better than I am right now. I think uh I'm feeling really, really good in a really strong mind space as well. And the little ones are awesome. They are definitely a handful, and I I appreciate uh mama. I'll yep. tell you that much. <laughs>
0: Well, it's funny how, uh, and you and I spent a you know, better part of a couple of years working together one-on-one with some things. And and it's it's funny, I was just joking with one of my coaching clients last night that another one, like I have, of my coaching clients, four of them are expecting babies right now. And I would bet 80% of the people that I've worked with and my coaching clients have either had a baby or have been expecting a baby while we were working together. So, <laughs>
1: Yeah, no, no. It's. Uh, I mean, honestly, the the kids really changed my life. Like, you know, you probably heard that a lot, but uh, it really puts uh, a why behind everything you're doing. So yeah. we definitely could not be happier.
0: Well, it's it's funny when when kids come along. Kids either do one of two things. It either we take a big giant pause and a timeout, which we should while the, while the babies are there. But in many cases, a lot of time when kids come, it it increases and heightens the sense of urgency increases and heightens the sense of uh, giddy up uh, we need to get going here i i've want i we need to build this business out so i can leave a legacy for these little ones when they turn 16 17 18 years old i don't want them to be a struggling like i did and we just have a legacy so it's either it's kind of a funny thing when kids come along it's either time out or giddy up and in your case which one was it a little bit of both
1: yeah it was it was yeah giddy up time in i would say time in <laughs> <It's>, uh, <laughs> Yeah. I think in the, the last year, you know, just for you guys watching that we have a two and a half year old and an eight month old. So I would say the last year has been, you know, exponential like growth and scaling and, you know, mainly driven by by the kids and our family and just the, you know, the goals that we've set together.
0: Yeah. Now, now usually what I do for here, no, I, you, you may, if you're watching this with my audience, you may be familiar with Zach. Um, if you're on the Facebooks and the groups and stuff like that, you'll see Zach posting a whole bunch of stuff there all the time. But uh, Zach, let's take a little time. Let's take a little step back because I think you have a really cool story and a really cool journey. And I, I really want to focus kind of a little bit about your your transition away from your employment at the time. And you were a paramedic for the long, for the for many, many years. And I want to focus a little bit on that conversation, but I really want to dive into today about your rent-to-own experience. So, Zach, this is your opportunity. If you could take us through a little bit about your backstory and, and share with our audience what makes you tick and who you are.
1: Yeah, no, I appreciate it. So uh, so for those of you don't guys don't know, just a little bit of backstory about myself, I didn't really know anything about real estate growing up and, and going through college. And I picked the profession, uh, paramedicine, just because... You know, it was exciting, you know, like, I was kind of like the adrenaline junkie type, um, you know, no sales experience, no real estate experience, and just kind went of through, went through school in London, Ontario, and ended up graduating as a paramedic. And again, for those of you who don't know, it's, it's a very challenging profession, not only in the profession, but also to get a job. <laughs> so I had made a list of all the different paramedic, you know, agencies out there, services out there all across Ontario, and just started sending my resumes out. And, you know, it's a long testing process. Like, you know, you do interviews and physical testing, written testing, uh, scenario interviews. And, you know, it's, it's quite a hefty bill, just kind of getting out of school and then having to spend money to go to all these different cities. And lo and behold, I ended up getting a call from Espanola, which I don't even know where that was, to be quite honest. I had to look it up on, on the map. And it turns out it was around an hour from Sudbury <laughs> uh, ended up going up there with my dad. did some testing. And, you know, within a couple of weeks, I was ended up being hired as a paramedic. So moved up there, stayed in a, a little room rental with a, a few other guys. Why I left my fiance back home. Uh, this was 2015, 2016. So, so definitely pre kids and ended up spending the first year in the paramedic industry, just saying yes to everything, right. Accepting all the shifts, doing all the grunt work you know getting calls at four in the morning, you know driving a couple hours to go to shifts and it, it paid off because 12 months later I was offered a full-time position you know which definitely does not happen too often and catch 22, my, my full-time position was in a little town called Follieette which has which had like a, around 150 population and I guess everything happens for a reason because that's kind of what got me into the real estate. My my paramedic partner, he had a triplex in Timmins, which wasn't too far from Folliot, about an hour or so. And he introduced me to Robert Kiyosaki, rich dad, poor dad. And I think a lot of you guys like definitely flicked the switch in my in my head. And it was like, what's this passive income? You know, what's liabilities and assets? And uh, so that definitely flicked the switch. Spended pretty well all of 2016, just like learning and, and same with 2017, you know, just analyzing the subway market and different strategies. Um, two strategies really like resonated with me, one being, you know, the rent to own, but there was also a lot of training and, you know, knowledge around the rent to own that you, you like really have to learn to grasp the whole concept, which you know, again, I didn't have. And the other one being uh, multifamily, be able to buy something and, you know, add value to it, Right. And so we ended up, my fiance and I ended up purchasing our first property in Sudbury in in 2017, which was a a six unit apartment that we turned into seven units. And it was terrifying buying it. And we basically paused our wedding and just invested all the money into real estate. (laughs) Um, Shortly after that, like during the renovation, like period, like this was, this was pre-BIRS before that was even like, you know, a thing. So I had no idea we we're going to get to get our money back out, you know? So I was like, well, what am I going to do now? We got no money. You know, I got a lot of time on my hands. So I dove back into the rent to own space, was able to, um, I would use the word harass a mentor, <laughs> constantly messaging her. Cause I knew like, you have to learn from the people, like the experts that are doing what you want to do. So I, I pretty well, like, you know, messaged her every couple of weeks for probably four to six months. I'm not going to lie. And eventually she finally took me on. Uh, she actually taught the creative class for Robert himself, you know, the creative financing class and was able to kind of get the inside scoop on rent to owns and how to do them successfully. So that was, uh, end of 2017 and then 2018, we started the, the rent live own business, which has, you know, significantly grown, um, you know, a couple deals were done in 2018, working with my brother and then my mother. <laughs> so obviously, I felt comfortable in the strategy when I'm, you know, putting together deals like with, with family members. And then shortly after had uh, my first JV partner. And actually, that was kind of around the time where, you know, I started connecting with you, Russell, because I really needed to, you know, expand how I'm going to, you know, work with these outside investors, right? How to find them, how to raise capital from, people that aren't in your A or B circle. Yep. So wow. just like,
0: yeah. <laughs> now, that's, that's, so, so sorry for jumping over there for a second. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, it's funny. We worked together for almost two years and I keep forgetting how young you are still. <laughs> and that uh, you've been, inve- you haven't, you know, your, your journey does not start like 20 plus years ago. Your journey is, is only like five, six years into it. Um, so let's fast forward to today, Zach, if you don't mind. And I do want to fill one piece of the pie in between, and that's potentially how you transitioned away from, I take it you're no longer a full-time paramedic. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, no, that, that's definitely correct. Okay. So, so what is uh, I mean, what, what is your portfolio?
0: Definitely- oh, sorry, I didn't mean to jump in there again. What does your portfolio look like today after these five years of doing this?
1: Yeah, so today uh, I am the CEO and manager of six real estate companies. We're doing we have over 50 rent-to-own projects. Uh we're in four different provinces as well using the rent-to-own strategy. Uh, I have a multifamily portfolio of around 80, 90 units. We're actually just working on a 30 unit transaction right now. Um still doing property management and also have a, a little wholesaling division going on for, for finding off-market properties. So
0: wow. So so for those of you at home I know you rattled that off pretty quick. So we're we're talking upwards of 150 plus transactions now over, over the course of, you know, five years, give or take.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely easily.
0: And, and I know you, uh, that's, and I know how ambitious and how driven and how you always aim higher. I have a feeling you're just getting started. Would that be a fair assessment, Zach?
1: Yes, we're, we're just getting started. (laughs) Definitely.
0: Okay. uh, I got
1: pretty big goals here.
0: Yeah. Well, do you mind? Why don't you publicly declare them for everybody here? If you don't mind.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, rent live own is is on the path to uh, we actually set a mission with rent live own to help 10,000 families become homeowners by 2030. So we really are passionate, whether it's rent to own helping them or just, you know, getting them a mortgage for like, that's kind of one of the passions. And Uh, In the multifamily business, we're, you know, we're on pace to build a a billion dollar empire. That's where my head's at for the the multi space. It's uh, something that I'm really, really excited about we're definitely just
0: getting started. Wow, that's incredible. So so Zach, um, can, can I drop your name when you have that billion dollar portfolio? And, and I could say I knew Zach when he was just, uh, you know, yeah. a, a little punk just getting started on his first transaction. And can I drop your name when you become that big successful when sorry, you already are successful in your own right, but you probably feel you're just getting going, don't you?
1: Yeah, no, 100%. And it's definitely not about the money either. You know, it's just, you know, the lives that we can change, yep. the the team members that we can level up that have joined us, you know, just in the last year, like 12 months ago, we were working with three team members. <laughs> you know, now we're up to like 22 people that are on our team, like working, working with us as leaders and teammates and virtual assistants, you know, you name it.
0: Wow. Wow, that's incredible. So it's funny. It's been a, it's been a few months since we had a conversation and you've just taken things, um, you've taken things to the next echelon. Really? Zach, I'm, you know, I know you don't need to hear this and you proud and you have a dad, but I'm very proud of you. I'm very proud of the work that you've done. I'm very proud of, uh, as we were working together, I was very proud of how you leaned into some uncomfortableness, some uncomfortable conversations, some, you know, lack of a better term, some crappy business dealings and, um, uh, Wrong people that you started working with and stuff like that. And and you just, you just, you just flourished and you're just flourishing, if you will. So, so very proud of you, my friend. Very proud. Thanks, Russell. Yeah. Okay. So transitioning here, I do want to, I do want to touch on this following conversation because we were, when we were working together, you were very strategic on how you were going to potentially um, transition away from being a paramedic. Now, maybe fill in fill in a little bit of the gaps of kind of the steps that you took cuz a lot of people that'll be watching this or listening to this would probably want to transition out of a job. Uh, wanted to transition out of, you know, the 9 to 5, which to be honest, guys, in Zach's case, which I'm sure he will tell you, that your 9 to 5 actually provided you with a really good stable income and provided you with some free time to be able to research, it provided you with some downtime while you were on call. To be able to do a lot of real estate at the same time. But it finally got to a point where it was your nine to five was cutting into your side hustle, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, and uh it's definitely a unique story. So yeah, so tell
0: us a little bit about that story. You, yeah, but how you str- how you strategically did yeah. it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and I uh Maybe strategic wasn't the right word, Russ, but we'll, we'll get to that. So when I was uh, employed basically in 2015, 2016, part of the requirement was choosing, you know, which ambulance base you wanted to work at. Um, so from those selections back in 2015, 2016, I never had updated it. I guess I was just too busy with real estate. And in 20, uh, 2020, I had an email saying that I got moved ambulance bases. And I was trying everything to get out of the move just because, you know, I was working I was doing one call every five or six days, you know, just loving real estate. And I knew that this was definitely gonna, you know, be more difficult actually having to work. So I guess, you know, number one is I don't think many people might have that luxury, but I think I was just lucky enough to to have it. And then uh, I ended up going on parental leave in, in 2020 of October and then essentially I was supposed to start work at the new base back in February. And I, and I just, I just didn't go back Russ. us. I mean, I felt, I felt kind of bad cause I did not really give, give a lot of notice. Um, and I am, a t- I am type of the quick starter, you know, individual and, you know, the finances made sense as long as like, you know, we're definitely living below our means, even with adding all of this extra real estate on. And I, know, at the time I had, a making, you know, four or six thousand dollars a month just doing the rent-to-own strategy, not considering any of the buy and hold strategy. But I think the main thing that made me, you know, make the decision was just like the mind space that it freed up for me and the confidence behind it. You know, like I burned the bridge, I burned the boats, like there was no, you know, <laughs> turning back. So just literally being a hundred percent committed is what allowed me to, you know, have my success. It wasn't that I had a you know, a spreadsheet there. I was like, like, oh, look at my budget. Like, I did the budgeting, but it was, it was all in the head. It was all the mind space and the commitment.
0: Wow, we're gonna unpack that. But you said something absolutely fire there, my friend. Absolute fire. And hang on, guys. You know what happens on this show when fire comes? What happens there, Zach? Oh, dropping the bomb. bombs, my friend. Um, the fire you said was that you were one hundred percent committed. You burned the burned the ships when you got onto the island. There was no turning back. Now, to be honest, Zach, if you strategically looked back upon this, you you really strategically levered what was a legitimate benefit that you had, and that's having a parental leave when 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 um, when Harper came. Right? If you yeah. would have known the second one was coming along a little while, you should have kept it, went back <laughs> for a while, and then when your second child came, you could have levered that parental leave again, if you will. Right? So.
1: Yeah, too funny, too funny.
0: However, hindsight's always twenty twenty, is it not?
1: Yes, it is. Yeah, and it was like just like buying the the sixplex, right? On the first investment, it was it was terrifying. Relied on you know mentors and yeah, like I said, hundred percent commitment, no turning back is is what really. Yeah,
0: and and I would bet if you were graphing your progress in on a chart of acquisitions, probably a you know a point in the sand was when you left and you took the parental leave. Probably after that, it started going up exponentially. Would that be a fair assessment?
1: Definitely. Definitely a fair assessment. That was around the time I was still, you know, I think moving away from some of the old partners and things like that. So it was all, everything just kind of came together.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I, you need to give yourself a little bit more credit. When we were working together, you were, we put together a very strategic plan about cash on hand, cash coming in. Where was the money coming from? You, you, you yeah. did, you did have spreadsheets by the way, Zach, I know you're, you yeah. were, dis, you were diminishing it. You 100%. You didn't just, you, you 100% willy-nilly just went and did it, but you also had a good backing. You had a good, you had a good safety net if need be. And I remember yeah. us having a conversation. You said that if this don't work, you know what? I can always go back and get another job if need be, but I don't want to.
1: Yeah, no, no, exactly. Right on. No, you're right. You know, I think, uh, yeah, the wife was a little bit shocked when I had presented the news, but. Um, <laughs> yeah, no kidding. You know. how,
0: how was that conversation? <laughs>
1: Oh, we should get into that. But uh, it was more so after the fact. I'm not going to lie. We had, we had the plan to, to, you know, leave the job within a year. And then just with, uh you know, just projecting myself in the future, just being like, okay, hey, well, what is my life going to be like if I'm working at this new ambulance base? And it was actually the, not only the busiest, but the highest paying ambulance job base, you know, at our service. So I could have been well, like well over six figures just, just working there. Um, You know, s- still keeping real estate to my side hustle, but I am the man of uh, commitment. So Yep.
0: And and I love what you said about one of your your visions is to help ten thousand families buy a home through through your, your rent to own program. And it was it was it wasn't it was quite Coincidental? No, it wasn't coincidental. It 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 doesn't surprise me. It's the best way I want to say it, that you led with that first about helping others first is your first vision and mission. And by helping those ten thousand families buy a home through your program, you're going to benefit for that as well. But your first focus is to help that family.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it it comes kind of the other reason I started the business in the first place, right? There was just a demand for that service, especially in you know, communities like Sudbury. Um and I guess one of my other passions is really just, you know, people don't know, right? Like even me growing up and going up, going to school, we don't get any financial education, like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so to be able to kind of share that with others and help them, you know, get into home ownership. I know the, you know, Robert Kiyosaki is, you know, home is a liability, but to be honest it's actually been the number one way Canadians have built their wealth has, is through home ownership so just to be able to help people get into a home stop renting have something that's theirs and then provide the you know ongoing support financial support you know we have a a family now who might end up being one of our investors right and and no like what other better way to help someone on a rent to own and then have that family buy a house for somebody else right so
0: a boy. Hang on. There we go. Little applause, a little smattering, a voiceless round of indifference there. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so, Zach, that's awesome. Um, now, I think this is a, a good time. What I wanted to do is, I wanted to pivot the conversation into your model of rent to own. And I think that uh, it's a fantastic business model as an investor and also. As a, you know, the the operator of the business and getting good cash flow out of it, plus somebody who wants to be a passive investor in plus it's also helping others out at the same time. So what what drew you? First of all, let me let me ask a better question. Um, what is rent to own for somebody, you know, some of my audience will be very veteran and we'll know all about this and we'll go quickly through this. But for somebody's brand new, how would you explain rent to own investing for them?
1: Yeah, exactly. So just just super, super high level, you know, you have people or families that are trying to get into home ownership, and for whatever whatever reason, they're actually just getting declined a mortgage, right? The banks, especially in Canada, have very cookie cutter, you know, guidelines, meaning if you don't check off every single box in the right way with the right type of checkmark, you know, you can get an X. (laughs) And basically what that means is, you know, you can't qualify for a mortgage. And especially like, like you know, look in 2017, 2018, the rapid appreciation that, you know, we've seen up until now in 2022, um, like people were just getting priced out of the market, right? The banks would say, okay, just wait two years, right? You look at someone that's new to moving to Canada. They don't have any credit, but they have a high paying job they have some savings they really don't have a chance to get a mortgage with with these big banks so you know our company kind of targets that avatar with you know new canadians self employment like new entrepreneurs like myself um you know i'm going through that right now right trying to get mortgages and it's challenging when you don't have the the 9 to 5 so whatever the case may be we're able to qualify that that client meaning you know you can't buy a house today but in two or three years you know, follow our action plan, and we could actually be able to get you a mortgage with with the same big banks. Yep. And our investors are the ones that you know we have our investor, we have our tenant buyer, and the investors are the ones that basically purchase the home. And we our company's in the middle, and the investors purchase the home for our tenants, or we call them future homeowners because it's a much much different tenant profile than you know your typical rental property, mm-hmm. and. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in the middle. We're managing everything for the investor and just making it a really passive investment on, on their part.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, it's brilliant. Absolutely, you did a fantastic job. Um, I'm gonna try to my best to summarize what you just said. And so, essentially, yeah. there's would we call it three? There's three components to it. There's a tenant buyer, there's an investor, and then there's rent, live, own, Zach in the middle. It's almost like the Oreo cookie, 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 cream filling in between right (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: and you're the essentially you're the bank for the tenant buyer and what you do is you find an investor to buy the house you find somebody to buy the house from the investor and you're the bank in between making the making some profits in between
1: exactly yeah taking care of i mean we can go into all the work there's a a a lot of
0: nuance there's a lot lot of nuance which we will we'll get into but is that a very high level summary of of that
1: that's exactly right.
0: Okay, well, and feel free, Zach, if you ever want to use that analogy of the cookie, the Oreo cookie, if you will, <laughs> when you're explaining it. <laughs>
2: so,
0: um, okay, so why is why is rent to own appealing for, for? And let's talk about most of the people on on this call um, and watching this are real estate investors. What what attracted you, and why is it appealing of rent to own to a real estate investor?
1: Yeah, so I mean, obviously, besides the you know good well goodwill of like helping somebody, obviously you got to think about you know is it going to help my portfolio, right? So the reason I was so excited not only for the helping part but also was for mainly for the cash flow. You know, w- with a rent to own investment, you have significantly more cash flow than you would a typical buy and hold. And the reason for that is um, fairly simple. In a rent to own, they have two monthly payments. They they not only have a rent payment, but they have a secondary savings credit payment that goes towards their purchase. So it's a much higher monthly income. And you're not having to worry about vacancies or maintenance or or capital expenditures. You know, I find with my multifamily portfolio and other investors that I've worked with, right? There's constant maintenance that is going on. And you know, with the rent to own, it's much more consistent cash flow is the word I would love to use.
0: Yeah, because because up front, you you know, the numbers up front, because you have a contract with the tenant buyer about what they're paying. You have a contract with the tenant buyer what they're going to buy the house from you at the end. And it would probably just give a little bit more certainty for for a real estate investor. Would that not be the case?
1: Exactly. I mean, it's the one, this one strategy rent to own has the most exit strategies in real estate that I've like ever seen, to be honest, like, you know, we can talk about that a little bit more. But I would say for me, it was definitely the consistent cash flow, like, what's the fastest pass for me to make, you know, 5k a month, so I can leave my job was kind of uh, where my head was at.
0: brilliant, absolutely. now, obviously, when there's a pro, there's always a con at the same time. And I know there are some downs because here's the thing is if it was only only upside, if ever there was only upside in this whole model of rent to own, every, you know, Tom, Dick and Harry and Mary and Joan and Jane it would all be doing this. But it's, it's not as easy as it sounds by how we just painted the picture so far. So what would be some of the downsides of rent to own investing from the real estate investors perspective?
1: Yeah, so I would say uh, like downsides would probably be just it takes a lot of work and energy to find a tenant buyer. You know, like that is by far the, the like one of the most challenging things to do, to really find a quality tenant buyer and not rushing into just picking somebody. Um, so I mean, if you have the, let's say you still have the great tenant buyer, you know, I think another downside from an investor perspective is like when we set the buyback price that the tenants buying the house for some properties have actually appreciated, you know, more than that. So the tenant actually got a house below the market value. I mean, that could be considered a downside, uh, but some investors just view it as, you know, that's just, that's just the way the cookie, that's just the way your Oreo cookie crumbles, right? Yeah. Like it could very well have happened the other way. Um, uh, you know, I don't know if the, I don't even know like whether downsides I could, I can really mention it, It's just a very time consuming strategy to yeah. find the tenant buyer. Um,
0: well, you you've been in it so deep and you know, let's put this way, you eat, ble- eat, breathe and bleed rent own. So it's like, you know, guys, I'm here to tell you as the time commitment that Zach talked about, it don't underestimate that. It is, it is a very steep, executional curve in order to get up to build out a process, to be able to have a flow of rent-to-own tenants coming through. And that's what we're going to dive into because you're an absolute brilliant at your attracting them. And then most importantly, more important than attracting is the qualification of the rent-to-own buyers. Um, The other thing a little bit is... um, for a downside that I think is um, you're, you're you're you have to churn you have to churn a lot of properties like for example you put a lot of time and effort into something and you get it and you only have it for two years and then and the tenant buyer buys it out from you and they get a whole bunch of equity which is great which is what you want but then you gotta you gotta keep doing it and you gotta keep feeding it it's it, you can't just sit there and set it and forget it like you have probably in your multifamily properties
1: yeah no that's a great point Russ and I think from you know from a business like owner in, in rent to own that, you know, definitely makes sense. So we have to have a consistent flow of tenant buyers always coming through our doors, right? Because it's only like Russ said, like a two to, typically two to four year contract. And then, you know, you lost your your income for your profit from that property. Uh, you know, for investors looking in, like what we've done is usually there's also always like lead time for when the actual buyout's taking place. So our preference is also to work with, repeat investors obviously <laughs> yep. so you know they typically get first priority so that their money isn't sitting right we close a deal we can get them into another one if that's the strategy that yep. they would like to use.
0: well we're gonna uh, i got a question here i'm gonna ask it but we're gonna definitely jump back in ai am gonna come back in a second here but but just kind of to c- close the loop so let's go back to the oreo cookie analogy of you have the tenant buyers now what's in it for them pretty straightforward they come in They buy a property at one price, they have a contract to buy a property the other and in between they have a contract of how they potentially can buy it and you're financing it. Okay. On the other side, you have an investor, the other uh, cookie, chocolate cookie on the other side, you have the investor. So the investor comes in, they put up and qualify for financing, they put their down payment, they essentially own the property. Okay. Now, what kind of what does the investor typically get? Do they get all the equity upside? Do they get the mortgage pay down? What does the investor get for their transaction when they come and buy one of these properties? Or do they just get a fixed return on their money?
1: Yeah, great, great question, Russ. So the investor, how we actually structure a deal is the investor is a hundred percent owner of the asset. Right. Okay. So the investor is able to benefit from. First way the investor is going to make money is the monthly cash flow, right? Which we talked about, you know, typically in Sudbury, our deals are $500 to $1,000, right? Um, so that, that's going to be paid for them every single month. They're also betting it, second is from the mortgage pay down. You know, they start with, you know, X mortgage and through the duration of the three years, they're able to pay down the mortgage every single year. And the last option, like the third uh, the third way they make money is through appreciation, Right, so if we're buying a house today for three hundred thousand dollars, we set the appreciation, um, you know, over three years at five percent a year. So the investors also exit to, like, when the house sells back to the tenant, they're getting that appreciation. So to s- even simplify it first, they get cash flow, and then they get the profit from the sale, from the paydown, and the appreciation.
0: Right. So essentially, they the investor will. Essentially there'd be an owner. They are the owner and they will get all the profit centers of an owner except the one the the appreciation number is fixed from the beginning, right? So that's just one. But that's Correct. the good news is you can I bet you could sit there and you could pinpoint an ROI number to an investor and you could be within decimal points at the end of it of what it's going to turn out. Like you with very clarity, crystal clear clarity, you can tell an investor what's in it for them. Okay. Yep. Okay, so we got the two the two chocolate chip on the cookies on the outside. Now the cream filling in between Zach, you rent live on what, what do you get out? Of, how do you make some money out of this transaction?
1: Yeah, no, of course. So, I mean, it, like we always refer to this as the win, 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 right? So everyone's going to win Uh rent live Again, we get paid in three ways, just like the investor. So we have a, an upfront fee that is paid to us um, by the investor. Now, typically It's actually just paid from the tenant buyer's down payment. So it's not like you're ever really having to invest more money to pay our fee. Uh, We could touch on that if you needed to. And then we also get paid to do a monthly management fee. This is like more of a, not a property management fee, but just kind of a flat rate fee. Uh, This is paid to us every single month. And that's so that we can, I would say the other really, really crucial thing about the rent to own is the follow-up process with the tenant buyer right? So we have the credit counseling, the financial training happening between us and the tenant buyer. And we also do all of the property inspections and also the accounting for the whole deal. So that's what that monthly fee covers. And it's the same fee, rather if it's a $200,000 property or a $600,000 property, you know, we're doing the same amount of work. And then we also rent would get a bio fee at the end of the, when the deal comes to fruition, um, only if the tenant buyer, you know, has purchased the house though. Okay. So that's all paid if it's successful, of course.
0: Okay. So let's go back again one more time. I'm a very visual and guys, if you're yeah. listening this on podcasts, I'm moving my arms all around and I'm doing things with my hands. And if we were at a table having a beer, I'd have beer mug here, beer mug here and, and explain it with salt and pepper shakers. So tenant buyer gets in favorable financing, Um, Where they maybe can't qualify, they get a property at a set price, they know their exit price. Investor comes in, buys the house, no fuss, no must, they don't have to do all the work of finding the tenant buyer, they qualify for the financing, they do that and they um, they get the mortgage pay down, they get the cash flow and they get the appreciation. Zach, in the middle with rent, live, own. Um, in order to find that tenant buyer and all that work you do, you charge uh, uh, essentially an acquisition fee. You charge a monthly maintenance fee, and then you charge a, disp- a disposal fee at the end. And that's how you make your money. That be a-
1: exactly. Ooh. It am, better than me. Oh am my I goodness. a good? Am
0: I a good student, Zach? You're, you're, <laughs> yeah. you're a good teacher. You're a good trainer. You're teaching me well here, right? So.
1: Hey, everybody,
0: hope you're enjoying today's exciting and inspiring conversation. Dahlia Barsoom is back from Streetwise Mortgages to share a tip with you about the differences and some of the common misconceptions of financing, some of the differences between residential and commercial financing. You're going to love this tip. Take it away, Dahlia.
2: I'm Dalia, founder of Streetwise Mortgages, and in today's episode, I would like to share with you some of the common misconceptions about financing. We're going to talk about value today, and let's start with value in residential financing. To determine the loan amount you qualify for in the residential world when you're buying one to four units, the lenders look at your ability to carry the mortgage personally based on your personal income and income from your rental portfolio. They will also take into consideration the appraised value of the property along with what you purchased it for if it's a purchase. Say you're purchasing a property for 500,000 and the appraised value comes in at 700,000. That's a fantastic deal. Traditional lenders will lend on the lower of the two numbers. Remember that. In this case, what you purchased the property for, which is the 500,000. A private lender, however, may be willing to lend on the 700,000. If the appraised value comes in lower than what you purchased the property for, say at 400,000, when you bought it for 500, then all lenders will lend on the 400,000 and any difference between the loan and what you purchased the property for, you will have to inject out of your own pocket. Let's now shift gears towards the value in the commercial space. And when I talk about commercial space, I'm referring to commercial properties, multifamily properties, uh, mixed-use properties, um, and properties with five or more units. Many think that on a commercial property, the lenders lend at 75% of the value, or 85% of the value with CMC. Well, this is partially true, but let me explain. To determine the loan amount you qualify for on a commercial property, the lenders will look at the property's net operating income, not your personal income. And they'll take into consideration the appraised value of the property along with what you've purchased it for, if we're talking about a purchase. The property's net operating income is the property's income and expense statement adjusted for some reserves that the lenders take into consideration, such as vacancy allowances, repairs and maintenance, admin, and so on. We have developed a sheet called the Debt Coverage Sheet that auto-calculates the reserves that the lenders will take into consideration, so you don't have to figure this out yourself. To download a copy, you can go to streetwisemortgages.com forward slash toolkit. Based on the NOI or the net operating income, the lenders determine how much debt the property can carry. This is called the debt coverage. I've actually put together a one-hour complimentary webinar to explain the concept of the debt coverage, how the lenders calculate it, and how that impacts the loan amount. You can request a copy of that webinar by emailing us at info at now, the loan amount determined by the debt coverage will play a huge role into the final approval. So, let's take a look at an example. Say you are purchasing a 12-units apartment building that is valued at $3 million based on the appraisal, and you're buying it for $3.1 million. The debt coverage for the property with a conventional lender, these are the lenders who are willing to go up to 75% of the value, is 1.5. and with CMHC, which can typically go up to 85% of the value is 1.1. Now, remember the appraised value is 3 million. If you run the math, a conventional lender should be able to lend at 75%, which is 2.25 million, and CMHC should be able to lend at 85% of the value, which is 2.5 million. But because both of these loan amounts are higher than the loans determined by the debt coverage, the lenders will go by the lower of the two. Remember, guys, lenders are conservative, so they will go by the lower of the two. So on commercial properties, you have to remember that it's not the value alone that determines the loan amount. The lenders will always look at the debt coverage and the value and will go by the lower of the two loan amounts. In the next episode, I will cover other financing misconceptions. Until then, if you are looking for guidance with your residential or commercial portfolio, have a challenging situation, or would like a second opinion, reach out to my team at info at streetwisemortgages.com and we would be happy to assist. Cheers to your success.
1: Yeah, no, exactly.
0: So guys, you know, we're here with Zach Cahill, with Rent Live Own, and he's just dropping the fire for everybody here and always. Man, bomb after bomb. Woo wee! Ooh. It's getting <laughs> hot in here, brother. Getting hot. <laughs> okay, so so let's, you know, I I'm a I'm a big fan of um of taking of solving problems. And that's I believe is the 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 definition of an entrepreneur is a professional problem solver. Now for you, Zach, the biggest thing and the biggest challenge that you mentioned was to attract tenant buyers and qualify tenant buyers. Isn't that like almost the bane of your existence? That's probably the one thing that stops people from really getting into this business. Would you, would you say that's a fair assessment?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, with what we've seen in the, you know, the market as well in the last few months, right. That's also, put a big impact to our to our business and how we had to adapt to yeah. so
0: well. Here's the thing is everybody listening to this, like really what's not the love about rent to own? Greater cash flow, certainty, tenant buyer, everything is just it sounds wonderful, doesn't it? And everybody's probably going, Yeah, I want to do rent to own. And then all of a sudden now there's one big giant. A red flag about attracting tenant profile, attracting a, a tenant buyer, qualifying the tenant buyer. But here's the beautiful thing, the way you built your model, Zach, is you can you can actually invest into a rent-to-own property, have a professional like Zach do all the work for you, you qualify for the financing, you put the down payment down, and you get all the benefits of it with none of the work. So how, how is that for, for solving problems for real estate investors, Zach? Hmm? Yeah. No. Now I I know what people will probably say next is Zach. Are you look? Are, you know, here's my next question. Are you looking for investors, my friend, right now?
1: Yeah, of course. We're we're definitely always looking to uh, build our, our pool of investors, uh, and we do it in a pretty neat way. Like we don't do you know the typical first come first serve or anything like that. We like to have a nice onboarding process for both the investor and the tenant buyer, and allows that for you know you being able to pick a tenant buyer or. Tenant buyer, or also like a financial performa that also aligns with your goals, right? Because we did touch on you know high cash flow, but there are some deals that obviously have less and you know higher ROI. So we do have a kind of a slower onboarding process so that we can make sure that we're getting you into a deal that suits your goals as yep. an investor.
0: One hundred percent. And and guys, if you are watching and listening to this, if you're interested in get a hold of Zach or interested in getting finding out if this process is for you, in the show notes. And in the description below on the YouTube video, there will be a link where you can just reach out to Zach to see if this is a fit for you. But I highly encourage it, like honest to goodness, like seriously, own a rental property, get all the benefits of an owner without having to do a lot of the work. And most of the fees and things that get paid to Zach come out of cash flow, come, come out of profits and come out of tenant deposits. So I'm trying, Zach, I'm trying to think of why wouldn't somebody want to do this?
1: Yeah, I mean, I could probably answer that. Okay. <laughs> I think, uh, I think when I got into the rent to own business, it was like, you know, you're either going to do it passively, or you're going to do it actively, right? You're going to, you're going to have the time to set aside to build your power team to find the tenant buyers yourself. Um, and there's definitely tons of resources out there happy to connect you to, uh, you know, people that I've worked with to learn, learn the system. But then there's also investors out there that don't have the time they'd want to be completely passive. So typically the, the investors that we work with are just people that just want to buy a property and, you know, not want to have to think about it.
0: Yeah. And, and it's interesting. My, my business partner and I in Edmonton are, are very close to putting a model to the together like this ourselves of within our new construction properties as well. We call it the home sponsorship program right? And um, it was exactly the same way, but we put a little brand on it, if you will. Now, and I know you're going national wide. Uh, Zach, are, are you okay if we just kind of target and corner the Edmonton marketplace? Are you okay with that? Of course. Okay. Well, I, I know I know a good realtor that'll have good properties. If you ever get a good tenant buyer, I know somebody can go find you a good place for them, by the way. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's a, uh... You know, I'm involved with a CARE-UP organization. So that's the Canadian Association of rent to Professionals. And, you know, we have companies from across Canada and we, you know, we constantly network and, you know, grow together, right? Because you starting that program at Edmonton, you know, it's just going to be help bring more awareness to uh, people about rent-to-own, right? That's yep. what kind of we're all about.
0: And, and honest to goodness, one of the reasons why we're doing all this is we just are looking for more solutions for homeowners we're looking for more solutions for people to buy homes when you have a a population and you have a lot of people moving in lots of immigration lots of people moving in or or kids moving out and maybe they can't qualify for traditional financing if you just give people less resistance and more options to buy a house that's good for the that's good for the industry right and that's one, one thing you're doing as well isn't it zach
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Very cool. Very cool. Okay. So let's, let's pivot the conversation here. So here's what I want to pivot this towards. Um, Okay. We've talked about a little bit about the passive side. So guys, if you're interested in being maybe on the passive side of a business like this, there'll be some information below. By all means, hit it up, check us out, see what, see what it's all about. But now there's most of the people might be a do-it-yourselfer. Right, that maybe want to just learn some of the ins and outs of the doing it of yourself. So let's let's bust down and unpack some of the biggest obstacles from the tenant buyer finding the tenant buyer. What are some of the processes that you do to to find a tenant buyer? And then after we talk about how you attract them, we're going to talk about how you qualify them.
1: Okay. Yeah. Perfect. So. Just to kind of take you on the path to uh, my my journey and what ended up we did. So the first thing that I really did was actually contact real estate agents. Um, you know, at the start, we would do presentations, like small presentations to groups of real estate agents in our city, you know, and really getting them behind the concept. Because when you think about it, if you put yourselves in a, a tenant buyer's shoes or a new homeowner's shoes, like the more likely person they're going to be reaching out to, you know, most likely a real estate agent. And the first question that the real estate agents ask is, are you qualifying for a mortgage? And if they say no, well, you know, that's a potential client that we could help, right? So we, we right now, we actually have around 80 real estate agents that are on our team, like referring as clients. So that's definitely been a, a good lead generator. Um, we're all over social media, especially in our small market, like in, you know, on Facebook, different Facebook groups, um, we run Facebook ads, Google ads, you know, you name it, like that we're kind of generating it. I would say we're generating right now between like five and ten leads every single day. Um, but we only approve around like three to f- like three to five a month. Hmm,
0: okay. So, so five it, it, to it, ten it, a day. Volume. So let's <laughs> let's call you're you're generating two hundred, give or take two hundred leads a month and you're qualifying, would you say three to five?
1: Yeah. So you're, you're only well, qu- at 1%, I would say About like, probably well, yeah. so, maybe a little bit more than 1%.
0: So a little over 1% of the leads you're qualifying. Okay. That's, those are good numbers to know. And that's, that's good. So here's the thing. Most people sit they go, well, I tried this rent to own thing and I had like 10 people reach out to me and uh, nobody qualified. Okay. Well y- you need another, you need another 90 more in order to get yeah. one <laughs> potential, one potential, right?
1: Yeah, no, exactly. It's uh And, yeah, and and the thing is doing, like, the advertising, like, the paid advertisement, there's always, you know, risks behind that. So, you really need to make sure you have, you know, the the KPI tracking so you know, you know, where that lead come from, right? Yeah, yeah.
0: Okay, so the majority, so it's absolutely brilliant as a brilliant starting point is, you know, go to the realtors. Like, what you're doing is you're approaching realtors, you're giving them another option, another club in the bag, golf bag, in order to have another way of transacting another property, right? They, I think they would be very open to this. If you're if you're providing a bank solution and a financing solution to somebody that can't qualify for a mortgage, I think a realtor would be very open to this, would they not?
1: Yeah, definitely, and they, and they have been, and pretty well in 2017, 2018, like it was, like very like not many people knew about the rent own, especially in Sudbury, right? So we kind of basically brought this knowledge. Um, to separate. I would say real estate professions as a whole, um, you know, work well, right? Even property managers, right? They have how many tenants that are just renting? Uh, Mortgage brokers, like, of course. So that's kind of, you know, our main focus has been real estate agents, but um, that's on our radar as well. The property managers and uh, mortgage brokers.
0: So, so, Let's let's go back to that number and let's just use for round numbers again. Let's say two hundred leads a month that you're getting out of the Sud, Sudbury area, or is that out of all the markets you focus on, or is that kind of just out of Sudbury?
1: That's like pretty well Northern Ontario. Northern Ontario.
0: Focus. Okay. Is is there first of all is there that many people inquiring about this program? Like obviously the I guess the answer is yes, but I, I'm quite surprised that there's that many people inquiring about this.
1: Yeah. And I mean, you, you get people that like reach out and, you know, don't have any savings, right. Or, you know, not even working. So, you know, you might, yeah, you might get 200 leads, but 40 of them might be like somewhat good. Right. So there's a lot of filtering and we're going to get to that in a second. So the main thing is just being able to, you know, have a consistent flow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. In the world of marketing, there's, there's a term suspects versus prospects. Right. Um, the majority of people that you're going to see are going to be suspects. Lots of people, when you when you put the ad out there, buy with none of your own money, no bank financing, blah, blah. I don't know your ads, but I imagine you you hype it up a little bit, I would imagine. Um, it sounds really good for somebody that maybe can't qualify or got turned down at the bank. And a lot of people will make an application, you know, and I would call yeah. those suspects. And then what you're doing is you're transitioning A suspect into a prospect. Okay, so here's the question I was going to ask you: Is um, of those 200 leads you generate a month throughout all of Northern Ontario, what percentage of those, in your best estimation, are coming from professionals versus your social media and advertising campaigns?
1: And it could be ballpark. uh, Could be ballpark. Yeah, I would. I would say we should have one of our salespeople on the call. I would say probably like 20. 25 or so, probably just from the, the the real estate professionals, but those are also better quality leads, like hands down. Yeah. So I would say like, you know, 25 out of the 200 would probably be from realtors. So
0: 10, 10% from. of the leads come from the professionals and then the majority of those are the highest quality that probably would generate, right? So that means 90% from all the other people that are coming through and you're only looking for a really small percentage points of those people, right? Honest to goodness, I bet you could probably, if you didn't have such big growth aspirations, you probably could. It just would be a little slower for your liking. But through just professionals alone, you could get enough leads to generate and to buy a half a dozen of these a year. Could you not?
1: Definitely. Definitely. Okay. That's our plan to take over Canada.
0: <laughs> take over Canada, <laughs> one tenant buyer at a time. Hey, Zach. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're gonna kill the rental Wait. market. Is that what you're saying, Zach? Uh,
1: oh yeah. I don't think there's any room for that. But uh, <laughs> we call our uh, real estate professionals "dream supporters," so we'll take over at one dream supporter as a time because they're supporting the dream.
0: Nice. So. I love. I love <laughs> that. I love that reframe. By the way. Okay. So. Okay. So. Uh, real estate professionals and also social media where if you, if a person was going to target social media, where would be the best? Is it Facebook marketplaces? Is it the rental websites? Is it um, just Facebook in general? Where are the best places on, on, uh, on the webs?
1: Yeah. Facebook marketplace. Definitely. You know, we have constant ads running um, for houses that, you know, in the, in the for rent section Um, also Facebook groups and just our main, you know, rent level and facebook page those are kind of our our big three for the social media
0: okay perfect okay so that's you know guys in in the world of marketing it's here's here's the flow it's generate lead qualify lead make offer close quickly right and so we talked about generating a lead so now you've got a lead that's come in walk us through your qualification process what you do
1: yeah so again this is uh if not just as important as actually qualifying the lead. And the first thing that, you know, we've implemented is just a simple survey so that whether it's a dream supporter giving us a client or a social media ad or organic social media, they're all going to the same survey that asks uh, like a series of questions. And we we did used to start out with like a short survey, which would get us even more applicants. But as you're aware, you know, Oh, Parker, Is that this. A, is this. Is this on
0: your, I'm for a guy's, this makes for difficult podcasting, but an audio, yeah. only, but I'm pulling, I just <laughs> pulled up Zach's website here. And uh, first thing I pulled up here, there's this big giant chat with RentLiveOwn down here. Walk us through your website on how, how people would. So I would imagine all your advertising, everything points to rev, RentLiveOwn.ca. Now, one of the things I'm going to tell everybody is here, this is one of the, the best uh, rent-owned websites I've seen out there, and I know it's been modeled off a lot of really good, good ones out there. But you have a couple cool things that is unique that you've done, and this is one of the best. So, if someone comes to your website, what do they typically do from here?
1: Yeah, I mean, hopefully hit apply now. I think that's of what we course. always want. Um, so I mean, right I'm scared, away,
0: Zach. I'm scared to hit this because you probably have the cookies all set here, and I'm going to start getting targeted with all these uh, <laughs> with all these things. Yeah, you will.
1: <laughs> Yeah, you will. That, I mean, that's really important as a marketer to have the, the retargeting because, you know, typically we're making, you know, how many touch points, like 17, 20 touch points before someone's going to you know yep. end up buying anything, especially a, a house, right? So, uh, you know, get to the website. There is a video of myself, like talking kind of more about our program. Um, lots of call to actions, as you see, like lots of different apply nows. Yeah, there's um, like really seven of them on
0: the, on the homepage here, right?
1: That's yeah, I, I do. I do appreciate the uh, the compliment on the website. I uh, honestly like I got other I got plans for the V2 of the website that will even make it even better. Um, lots of content as well, so that we could get like ranked on the website. Um, this is our dream supporter page. Again, we're, we're hoping to get the photos of all the dream supporters out there. We're hoping to get video testimonials from some of our tenant buyers, just stuff that we're working on
0: yeah and I know when we were working together we did a lot of work together on on your website and I'll tell you it's taken this has taken um this is monumentally better than when we were working on this together and it sounds like it's going to be even bigger when we go to the next step so now yeah. do, you, do you still use that bot on on here zach
1: um no we okay
0: don't. no that's that no, we don't. that that kind of fell by the wayside.
1: Yeah, no, we, uh, funny, funny story. We actually had a, an interactive bot that yep. was, you know, chatting, you know, with, with the tenant buyers, getting them approved. Um, I they definitely do think there's still something there, but yep. we, uh, we kind of, st- we kind of went back a notch and kind of made everything really simple. Yep. Um, cause something that I've learned is just, you know, you really got to have the foundation in order to scale, right? Growth is growth only takes you so far. Like you're going to put a card on top of a card on top of a card eventually it's just going to come crashing down. Right. So we're right. still kind of building that foundation. Perfect. Okay. So
0: someone comes to your website, they probably won't hit a you, you, you want them to hit apply as soon as they land there, but they probably won't. They'll scroll, they'll watch videos, they'll read, they'll read, they'll park it. They'll come back, they'll come back, they'll come back. And then finally, after you retarget them like 17 times and they keep seeing it, <laughs> you know what? I'm going to go back and then they hit the apply now button. And then they go through a short questionnaire. Um, what kind of questions are on that is on that questionnaire, Zach?
1: Yeah. So, uh, funny, we could, we could have just, applied. well, hang on. Dude, so, I mean, we're at, you know, we're asking, uh, we're asking basic questions, you know, about, you know, first name, last name, contact information. Uh, but also in a like, yeah, that's obviously, you know, then know, that's the adult application. So we've done a lot of work to our survey, honestly, yep. a, a lot of work, uh, because we found like, like we want to really make it easy for the first conversation. So, you know, there's, there's, I think there's three or four different slides there, Russell, that is asking, you know, four to five questions a slide. So we put them through the ringer, right? Yeah. If you want to, well, what's the us, most, you know,
0: what's the most important information you need from first contact from them?
1: Yeah. And that's, that's what I'm getting at. We asked oh, 20 <laughs> questions, but we only need three. <laughs> so uh, we asked the 20, but we were really only looking for, you know, how much down payment they have, um, you know, are they currently working and what's their monthly or, sorry, like yearly household income? right so those are the big 3 for us we do ask about the bankruptcy and consumer proposal which is um i would say that's the wild card question because you're actually able still to help people that have had that in the past um but we'll call it a wild card question the most important three are definitely you want to make sure they have savings they want you want to make sure they have you know some sort of household income and you want to make sure that they're employed like from an actual employer um you know not just earning money through one of the government like plans or anything like that.
0: Okay. So I would imagine as if we go through that and I don't want to put all my own personal sensitive information out onto the interwebs here. <laughs> I would imagine those questions are pretty early up in the process and of, of you doing that. And then I would imagine every time they have to click to the next set, you probably capture it. It captures that information, even though if they abandon the survey, you still got it and you can follow up with them. I would imagine um, yeah. and if you don't have that quickly implement that as soon as possible. <laughs> right. <laughs> and then, and then here's the other test I would have as a marketer of doing that. I would also find out how deep the person goes into the survey as well. The deeper they go, the more motivation they have at the same time. Like if somebody just fills in first name, email, and last name, and then goes in and they put in a question in oh, so this is stupid. And they abandon, uh, they're not motivated. But if somebody goes through all 20 questions, they're motivated. They really want to work with you. Okay, so yeah. you get the information. You get the big three plus the wild card. Okay, um, where does that go? What happens? What's the next step in the process?
1: Yeah, so they get uh, immediately after they get followed up with just by an automated email. They get dropped into our CRM as a new lead. And then we have uh, a lady on our team That's her Her role is basically dip. We call her the home ownership specialist and she will reach out to that client, you know, pretty well immediately. And that's where our main focus goes the people that have completed the full survey. Um, so that would be the next step goes into our CRM. She gets notified, reaches out to the client, you know, has that initial discovery call is we, we like to we like to call it that.
0: Yeah. Zach, you need to you need to brand. If you're calling these people dream supporters and all that, you need to have names of dreams in there. The Alpha Team, the Beta Team, the Theta Team, yeah. the Mister Sandman or Mrs. Sandman, which is the which is the the supervisor of this. Have them all like have it all around sleep and dream or something, right? The the yeah, that
1: be, like, the, that's bo- a great idea. Right? The
0: box spring Team and the Coil Mattresses. <laughs> <laughs> you know today today this uh, this marketing message is brought to you by russell westcott uh, bringing some fire himself once in a while <laughs> every so often i can bring a bomb too can't i <laughs> i love it okay so person hits the form they fill out the form it goes to your crm do you mind at me asking what crm you use
1: uh yes we use go high level I don't oh, know if you're familiar no, with that. No, one I haven't heard not. that one.
0: It's gohighlevel.com, I would imagine.
1: Yep. Yeah, yeah. We like a, I guess a marketing team that we work with has like white labeled it. So we just work off walk, work off there and we, we actually have a specific team member to to build out go high level for us as perfect, well. Perfect. We're okay. So building it, out.
0: It, it comes in, it comes into somebody in your office. You know, I'm gonna give her her the name as she's the dream catcher, huh?
1: Oh, I love it. She's the dream, she's the dream,
0: she's the dream catcher. And then she makes the first phone call to the prospective tenant buyer. And what does that conversation kind of look like?
1: Yeah. So this is actually kind of probably my, one of my favorite parts or my favorite things to share, because, you know, of all the things they can talk about, I think the main thing that we like to discuss is like, what's their, why, like, what is this tenant buyers? Why of working with our team? Um, And it's just like, yes, she's going to confirm all the survey questions, right, that they put in and answered. But the first thing is really just, you know, building the rapport and going into that tenant's world. And why do they want to rent to own? Um, And I can't stress this enough, because when times get tough, it's really important that your tenant buyer has that strong why, like has that desire of becoming a homeowner. You know, we've turned down multiple clients that checked all the, the money boxes, we'll call them. But their why was like, you know, they're, you know, entitled for the, the house, right? They're, and and we're the ones working with them for three or four years, right? Not not really the investor itself. So, you know, it's really important to get the get that why and make sure it's strong.
0: Yep. Cool. That's that's what that's why this is a rent to own program, not a rent to fail program, right? Is because <laughs> you you invest into their because let's put it this way, your investor doesn't win. The cream center of Zach Cahill doesn't win. And the other side of the Oreo cookie doesn't win unless the the tenant buyer wins and buys the place. Like, that's that's how this game works, okay? Okay, so the dream catcher has the phone call. They get solid on the why. They confirm a few things. They get more information. Like, what kind of more information and deeper information do you typically need at that part for the dream catcher to, to, to um, get?
1: Yeah. And I love the dream catcher. Oh, I mean, you're I'm welcome. A, you're great welcome. Exactly. Maybe we already. should,
0: we, we should work one-on-one together or <laughs> something.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right. So the, the dream catcher, you know, once confirming everything, I, I mean, at this point, like the tenant buyer probably doesn't know like too much about the rental, right. Like, they've read about it. So there's obviously an explanation about the program and how it works on that call. Like, of course, and, you know, asking them, you know, one of our best, Best place here is we can actually help them either way. So you'd have a lot of people that apply, and they don't know if they can get a mortgage, right? Or they can do a rent to own. So we have both the options for the client. There's been hundreds of people that have applied, and we just got them a mortgage with our broker, right? So we're you know we kind of offer both of those services, explain the program, and then if they're interested for us to you know have a look at the next step, that's when. I love talking about this. We actually get a small commitment, a refundable deposit of $150, and that would um, put them to the next step, which is when they would get connected to our mortgage broker, and then we begin the document collection. Okay,
0: so you then hand that off to a professional that does this for a living. The professional will, the mortgage broker will bring in, get all their documents, T4s, notice of assessments, you know, for lack of a better term, they'll unpack the wallet and the purse on the table and the yeah. mortgage broker, that's what they do. We'll sit there and find out if they're a good candidate for this program.
1: Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So that for, that's what's happened next is, yeah, everything goes to the mortgage broker. I mean, this is a challenge on, on itself, right? Getting people to send their, their, their information and, and things like that. So we get them to sign also something as well, uh, send a small deposit, and then off they go to the broker.
0: Right. Nice. Okay. So let me just do a quick timeout here, and there's the
1: dream maker. Maybe? The dream
0: maker is the next part in the process. So, so gang, let's just do a quick recap. So, what what uh, Zach has been telling us is you get lots of leads. Let's call it 200 a month, and only two are coming through. That would be probably of any good quality. They fill out some information. They go to the to the dream catcher. The dream catcher confirms this. Sounds like a good quality candidate then they get handed off to a mortgage broker to qualify to see if they can take the next step. So let's say out of the 200, we get two, one of them looks like a really good, strong candidate and they check all the boxes. What's the next step in the process?
1: Yeah. So the next step is the mortgage broker will actually create us what we call an action plan. So the action plan would, you know, that's their approval document. Okay. So that's going to let, that's going to let us know, first of all, like why they can't get a mortgage right now. You know, is it new job experience? Is it bad credit? Is it, you know, too much debt service? Um, And it's going to have a clear outline of, you know, what they're approved for as far as today's purchase price, what their down payment would be, what their monthly rent payment would be, um, as well as what their monthly savings credit would be. Because everyone that enters in our program, you know, might have, uh, you know, four to 5% down payment, but when they exit the program, they need to have seven to 10% down payment. So we're going to have all those numbers outlined on the action plan uh, and the specific steps. And we work with the broker to create this. We don't just make him do it all. And the specific steps of how we're going to get this client a mortgage, right? Some are more detailed than others, Where you know, you need to talk to this banker and get a credit card for this amount and pay this amount every month, um, as well as like.
0: Essentially, you're forecasting and foreshadowing how this person's going to get a mortgage in two to four years from now.
1: Exactly. Like budget calculators, the whole the whole shabams on there.
0: Nice. Nice. So that's why, like I said, this is a rent rent to own program, not a rent to lose program. Okay, so they qualify. They've got the plan together. There's a few blemishes. They couldn't get a traditional mortgage. They're a good candidate for you. Okay, then what's the next step in the process, Zach?
1: Yeah. So we just have a simple action plan call with a tenant buyer. So on this call, it's it's definitely a zoom call. It usually takes about an hour and we review the action plan in detail. So basically, you know, presenting them with what we have, here's our program, these are all the payment information and, you know, answer any last minute questions that they might have. And I'll tell you most of the people that do get to the action plan call end up signing up, uh, which is, you know, amazing because again, like what are their other options? So they're just going to rent you know, <laughs> but um yeah, and after that, like basically just do the action plan call, they sign a letter of intent to work with us. And then we also get another deposit from them and then that would move them on to the next phase.
0: Okay. So you to this point, you've invested a lot of time and energy into this potential tenant buyer. And like I said, guys, this is where most do-it-yourselfers, you know don't you know this is where the people fall off of the rent to own train a little bit of it sounded great up until this point but holy moly there's an awful lot of hand holding lots of work lots of coddling lots of in order i have to deal with potentially 200 people coming in to only have one person spit out the back end i don't have all this time and effort to do all of this but uh you've systematized this and you've got people in place you've got dream catchers and there's a whole bunch of dream stealers that are people (laughs) that are the suspects. And then you have the dream makers that come in there that make this happen. So the person qualifies, then what happens after that? So they've qualified, all the boxes are checked. Now what's the next step in the process?
1: Yeah. So as soon as I get that, as soon as we get the letter of intent signed and we get a 2,500 deposit from from the tenant buyer, we actually move on to the investor side of things. So this tenant buyer, um, funny, we actually get them to write their own story as well. And we pair that story with a, a financial report, like a forma and that would get sent out to our active investors.
0: Wow. So, so this is where you go out to your investment pool and say, I've got one, they're qualified, here's their story, here's their background, here's how much money they have, here's the pro forma, here's the cash flows, here's the mortgage paydown, here's your at the end, here's the... 21% ROI that you're going to get in this time frame, or and, and we'll go through a case study here shortly. Yeah. But, uh, so you put it out to the investor pool. Awesome. Let's say I'm interested. I send you a note back, Zach. I'm interested. What's the next step?
1: <coughs> well, Russ. So. <laughs> oh, look at he's so, uh, he's, he's going to close cool me thing. here. Everybody,
0: watch watch. He's going <laughs> to, Zach's going to close me here. I better yeah. put my wallet and checkbook away.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, well, Russ. Unfortunately, that deal's already taken. But. Uh, <laughs> but uh. <laughs> but, uh No, but for real. (laughs) So for the investor side, we do actually on a similar process. But for the investor side, we also do have a letter of intent. And we have a small deposit that we collect from the investor. And that would actually, you know, that's not done on the like, we have an investor funnel as well, obviously. So just kind of skipping through that, that funnel from when we actually get a letter of intent signed from the investor, we would add you to our exclusive investor list to receive live deals in order of who signed up first. And right. I think that's really important because it's something that I've probably changed since the last time we spoke, Russ, because you know, a couple of years ago, we were doing first come, first serve. And it's very unfair. It's very chaotic. So to really systematize it, we actually have a pool of approved investors who are already ready to go, already have you know an hour call with our team and know the full strategy inside and out. And the investors have signed a letter of intent. Got it. So once you're on that list, that's that's who would receive the deal in basically whoever signed up first, and we would send you an email with all the information. We give you 24 hours, 48 hours to, to review everything, ask us any questions. And you know, if you're satisfied with that tenant buyer, you just pop us an email back saying, you know, I'm good to go.
0: Okay. So, so I have a feeling we're going to have to book another call just to go in depth into your whole investor process that you do as well. Are you open if we have a couple more calls, Zach, to really unpack all these things that you're, 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 you're sharing here?
1: Yeah, most definitely.
0: Yeah. Okay. So what I want to do is I do want to show everybody here is I actually have pulled up. Let me just grab it here for a second. Um, This is one of the, your investor sheets that uh, you sent to me just recently of a, of a deal. $210,000. Zach, can you buy it? Is that a house? And that's in Sudbury? Where is this? Oh, we got a
1: good deal on this one, Russ.
0: Is this still, is this an active one?
1: Uh, we, unfortunately, we had to move quick. So we did match an investor like the same day I had sent it to you. Okay, uh, But like I said, we're, you know, we're putting together three to five a month that are are, are similar to this.
0: So $210,000, is, is that in Sudbury?
1: It is. Yeah. I mean, this is obviously with the market change that we've, uh, You know, we wouldn't be able to do this months ago. This was under asking. Um, House doesn't need much work either. And we have a a great tenant buyer.
0: Right. So somebody is coming in. If this was, this is a sheet you would send out to your investment pool, you break it all down about what did this one, what did this tenant buyer have? up. This tenant
1: buyer had a $10,000 down payment. $10,000
0: down payment. So that's a huge benefit of rent to own is your tenant buyer coming in as a big giant down payment, right? Yep. Uh, land transfer tax buyouts so.
1: and, uh, and we also are working on the the updated sheet as well because it's it doesn't it's not really uh visual friendly and we also include a, a written like performa out when it gets sent out right um right. but basically yeah this tenant had ten thousand dollars as a, a down payment to go towards the home so the the basically the initial investor was bringing just over $52,000 to the table as an initial investment.
0: Yep. Now, you are in this one you're forecasting. Maybe I just can't see it quickly. Here is your forecasting that the investor would get on this it's in, at the top. At oh, the very top. Oh, yeah. that I mean right, the very man look at you. So it's an yeah, annualized yeah. return of about 17% from from this property.
1: Exactly. And that's based on a uh, 5 and a quarter mortgage rate. Wow. So about 5.25% mortgage rate as well.
0: Right. And you can do a little better than that right now if you need to, but you built in a little bit of a little bit of uh, a um, a little buffer there as well. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Okay. So, so I do want to be respectful for everybody's time and I do have a call coming in here to be full transparency in probably about 10 minutes. So. Okay. So and I know everybody's going. Ross, you're just getting into the gold and the meat and potatoes of this. Uh, so we're we're gonna we're not gonna wrap up yet fully, but I want to make a commitment to teaching more of this. And Zach, are you open for us to have a few more of these conversations like this and really bust down and maybe even do a webinar together or do something together that we can break this down even further for people? Are you committed to that? Definitely. Hundred percent. Okay. Okay. So, guys, I am one hundred percent. I'm going to commit to that as well. But, but we do before we do go. Um, so, if somebody is sitting here, Zach, I do have a couple questions. I just want to wrap up with. If if somebody is sitting here and they're you know they're looking out in the marketplace and they're bummed out that the interest rates are going up a little bit and margins are getting a little tighter and you know maybe a value or two has dropped in certain markets and certain markets they've gone up. Uh, and they're just feeling a little bummed out and they're feeling a little stuck right now. What advice would you have for somebody if they came to you and, you know, your your, your turn, the coach, you're going to be my coach. I'm yeah. struggling, Zach, and I need a little bit of help. How do you – how can I get some help from you? How do we – how do you get me unstuck here with what's going on in the marketplace?
1: Yeah, I, I think the first thing I would suggest for us is uh, – you know, turn off social media and turn off the news. I I've just been noticing a lot of, you know, negative things going on in the news. And I think that's number one, to be honest. Um, the next thing is just to realize that over the next year, two, three years right now, it's going to be one of the the largest wealth transfers in history. You know, the way things are going with the, the real estate market, um, like there, there's lots of deals to be made, lots of people to be helped over these next two to three years. And just understand that fundamentally, like in my opinion, real estate is the best investment like on the planet, just because of the simple supply and demand, right? Like, you know, it's a long-term game, you know, interest rates goes up and goes down. We might be going into a winter right now, um, which we can talk about some of the adjustments rent-live owns made to even, you know, get through the winter right even to do rent to owns through in a market that's not appreciating like it was before but just understand that it's just simple supply and demand right and Canada you know immigrants coming to Canada every year there's still a housing crisis across the country you know there are multiple different markets like you could be in and investing in and, and do well Yeah. so I think for you Russ like try to find a you know an active partner that or, or, or become that active partner yourself and you know, put these deals together and get get creative with the deals that you're putting together.
0: Woo wee, brother! Woo wee, getting sweaty in here, brother. And that's not just because it's 35 degrees outside. Oh. Woo. Hang on. Woo. Uh, thank you for the for that, Zach. I needed that. Right? I needed. Uh, we needed a little inspiration and a little kick in the kick in the backside sometimes to just just get out there and do it. And and that's uh, before I do sign off here, Zach, I just want to offer you something. Um, You are one of the, what I call the most, um, the quickest implementer of anybody who I've ever met. When you say you're a fast start, you're not fast. You're, you're late speed fast. It's like we talk about something and I give you an idea and I give you a thought process. And the next day I get a text message back and done. I go, what do you mean done? Because the thing you told me to do last night, I did it this morning. <laughs> right? I'm just like, wow, like you, you just, you're, you're an instant implementer. You're not, you're best, the best way to say is you're, you're fearless in many respects. You, 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 you jump in, you figure it out and you have always a smile on your face and you always have a laugh as you're doing it. And this yeah. game isn't easy, but you, you do it with such grace and poise and you're, you're, way beyond your years, my friend. Way beyond
1: your years. Thanks, Russ. No, yeah. it means a lot.
0: Yeah, you're it welcome. And oh, you know where it comes from. It comes from the heart and it comes from the truth. All right. Okay, gang. Um I am gonna have to I, I one hundred I I guess apologies we we just dropped fire and bomb and bomb after bomb <laughs> after bomb. And I'm sitting here I'm gonna apologize that I have to cut this off at a minute and twenty, right? But I will commit And Zach and I will commit that we're going to bring out some more of these content pieces and we will bring out more of these resources for you if you're interested in taking the next step. So, Zach, if somebody is interested in contacting you, where's a good place for them to find you uh, on the social airwaves?
1: Yeah, so uh, social media, I'm just Oh, look at that. You got my website right there, Russ. Right. So uh, you can pop me an email or contact me on social media. I definitely will will share the, the links in, in this description below. Um, and we're also uh, in the midst of launching my, my personalized website as well at ZachCahill.com. So depending on when you're listening, that could also be live.
0: I had the big sack man get the power pose out there so i expect to see all the dream catchers and dream supporters and all the the branding around the dream you can have different mattresses or something based upon the different houses uh awesome zach i i thoroughly enjoyed our conversation here today and there's so many more resources that we're going to be coming up with okay gang um let's leave it there for today and uh make sure you like and subscribe and share this message and we'll talk to you very soon so what did you think about today's episode isn't isn't zach amazing and honest to goodness At the beginning, Zach really wasn't kind of himself. I think he was a little bit nervous. He was wanting to be a little bit more professional, but his smile and when he opens up, he is just, his energy is just so infectious. That's, I believe, one of his superpowers is just his energy. He just brings people in and he's just got this joie de vivre. He's got a zest for life and everybody just, whoever meets Zach, just comes back and go, man, that guy is just so cool. And he is, I 100% agree. That's just what I love about Zach is he has this wonderful energy and uh, zest for life. Okay, so what did you take from this episode? Did you take um, maybe some of the steps that he shared on the rent to own? Maybe you liked the Oreo cookie analogy and maybe you can use that analogy on how you explain it, how you do your business. Maybe you really like the opportunity on how you qualify people. Maybe you are looking at and go, geez, I love the rent to own. I love all the benefits, but I just ain't willing to put in the work to qualify that many people. And maybe that would be a perfect, you'd be a perfect candidate to maybe own a rent to own and have somebody do all the work, set it all up for you, bring you a rent to own tenant. And then you just become the owner of it and have somebody else do all that work. And you just pay a fee up front, a fee, in the, a fee, not a pee, a fee on the back end. And then you also pay a monthly fee as well to have it all managed for you, turnkey style. Okay. So hope all that information helped. And like I said at the beginning, if you're interested in more information on rent-owned investing, let me know, send me an email, send some, whatever kind of Facebook post or whatever you like. Uh, comment on it and let us know that you'd like to see more. And I'll tap Zach on the shoulder and we'll just keep crushing out some more amazing content for you. Or maybe we'll put on a workshop or something. And then the final thing I want to share with you is uh, at the beginning, I shared a story and an analogy about being stuck at the bottom of a well. And if you're interested in having a coach alongside you to help you get out of that well, by all means, please let me know. I'm here to help. Okay, game. You know how we end off each and every one of these episodes. We do it the same way. You know what's coming. Remember, in every interaction you have with another person, always leave them feeling inspired, encouraged, and always come from a place of love. Bye for now, everybody.
2: Thank you for listening to the Russell Westcott Podcast.